Hello, wonderful friends. Welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to Big Q&A. This is the program where we respond to difficult questions concerning God, faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. On this show, we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecies. My name is Joseph Matichic. I'm the Secretary for the Seventh-day Adventist Church in South Australia, and uh, I'll be your host for the program today. Welcome along to, to our show today, wherever you might be joining us, wherever you might be tuning in around our beautiful country. I want to remind you that our text line number here is 04-888-880-811. We'd love to hear from you, any questions, any comments, uh, anything that uh, you wanted to, to share with us, uh, please do that. Text it through on 04 888-880-811, our drive time text line number. This week, we are looking at a, a new theme titled Relevant to the Times. And specifically today, our question that we're going to be looking at is, what has the church been called to do? Joining me today is Pastor William Awala. William is the pastor of the Paravista and Gawler Seventh-day Adventist Churches here in Adelaide, South Australia. Good afternoon, William. Good afternoon, Joseph. Glad to be with you here in the studio. Great to have you back again, William. Uh, here we are. We're starting another new week on Drive Time. Um, yesterday, around the country, Father's Day. Yep. Uh, how was Father's Day for you, William? Uh, it was fantastic. You know, it was a Sunday here um, across the country in Adelaide. Um, yeah, so it was just a really, just a chilled out morning, you know, just got up um, with the wife and uh, my lovely little uh, two-year-old, Naraya. So I got a couple of good uh, presents, you know, I got a couple of mugs, um, number one dad and all that, so that was really cute. Uh, wasn't really expecting anything, so um, my my lovely wife, if she's listening, thank you so much. But yeah, got a few gifts and... Um, yeah, we went to, um, did a little bit of shopping in the morning and basically we just chilled out for the day, you know? So, um, it wasn't anything like, you know, we didn't do anything crazy or anything, but yeah, just relaxing at home, you know, and just after a busy day at church and as we were at that leadership meeting, yes. our conference meeting that Saturday night. So, um, yeah, just to go home and just to relax and just to, um, Spend time with a little, with a little bub, you know that was the highlight for me. So yeah, and, and so William, um, you you are a dad, yeah, and you've got a little girl. Uh-huh. Um, you're you're a parent now yourself, uh, so you, you're learning what it means to be a father. Yeah, aren't you? Um, I hope so. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. Um, I'm a father my, myself, yeah. and um, it, it certainly changes your life very much. So, um, be, absolutely, b- being a parent um, because. We, we were all once children ourselves, yeah, young people, weren't we? Um, yeah. With, with our having our own parents and, you know, some things we'd probably look up to them, some things, at the, particularly when we were children, we thought, oh, that, come on, mum and dad, what are you doing? Or, <laughs> um, you know, think about you where, with your relation to your parents, William, and I don't know if, if both of your parents are alive, my father yep. is no longer alive, but um, as you look back to your dad, it, you know, what influence... What is, is there anything from your early days that you remember um, that that you, uh, an impact that your dad had on you growing yeah, um, up? I, I think, like for most kids, um, when you're growing up, 
your dad is he's Superman, he's everything. And he's that tower of strength in the home. Yes. And yeah, that's you know, my dad my because uh, my dad's been working in the fish industry for basically most of his life since he migrated here to Australia. Okay. And so I've seen my dad over the years getting up so early, like four or five in the morning, he'd be off to work in the Sydney fish markets when we lived in Sydney. Um, my family's still there, by the way. So just um, having my, my, my dad, and I was the eldest of four kids, right. um, three boys and a little sister. Well, she's not little anymore, Layla. She's in her mid-20s now. Uh, but yeah, my, my early recollections of my dad, he was, um, he was the head of the house in many ways. And um, he was the breadwinner. Um, so, like I said, he went to work. And, um, you know, when my dad spoke, there was a bit of an authority. He was an authority figure. You know, we didn't mess around with that. We can kind of get away with things for mum. But when dad spoke and when he kind of, you know, when he said something, that's what, that's what we all did. And uh, I remember a couple of times in, um, in my primary school where um, I still distinctly remembering one time. Um, and I did a lot of crazy things when I was a child. I mean, thinking about all the, the stuff I put my, my parents through. I mean, not just as I was a kid, but as we grew up into our adolescence. But, um, yeah, look, I guess, um, suffice to say that, um, our parents are, they're everything to us. Mm. And I think as I've grown older, I've, I've seen that my dad is just, uh, he's just, um, you know, he's, I wouldn't say he's a normal guy, but, you know, you lose some of that, persona as such because when you're young your your parents can't do anything wrong they right. you know they're just you're a little kid you run to your dad for That's everything right. you look up to them for everything yeah. yeah and then as you grow up you, you there's a sense of your your you mature with your father your relationship grows you're not yeah. a little kid anymore and so um i have nothing but respect for my father and still to this day he's one of the hardest working men i know and um you know, I love my dad, and I, I love him now differently than I loved him when I was a little kid. It, it's interesting you say that because um, our our relationship to our parents th- th- does change, or or should I say, our attitude perhaps to them. You know, that's probably the word. Like, yeah, like the you attitude. said, you know, w- when we're really young, they can't do anything wrong. Uh, really, yeah. that they are they're the ones we look up to. That they yeah. are our source of security and yes. and stability and, and everything. And then, uh, yeah, th- then then it sort of shifts a little bit, and we. We, we think that there is something, uh, that we see some things in our parents. We, we might cringe a little yeah. bit or, uh, <laughs> m- maybe amongst our mates, we get a little bit embarrassed about or whatever yeah. else. Uh, then, then perhaps sometimes there's a little bit of a phase where we don't really want it to associate too much with some, some of our yep. things because we're going through that, uh, process of moving into our own sort of adolescence, adulthood kind of thing. And part of that involves kind of, I guess, um, setting ourselves up separate to them. And then, um, yeah, then, then we start to have a, probably a deeper, level of understanding, maturity, respect. Uh, it's interesting. After my dad passed away, I probably missed him more. Right. Um, in, in the, in the years following, interestingly yep. enough. And, um, yeah, there are probably times when I wished I'd, I'd spent some more time with yep. him and so on. So then, of course, William, you know, we, we think of, um, people and no doubt amongst our listeners, uh, who are tuning in, um, not everyone ha- has had a father, um, that, with whom they had a, a, a positive, healthy relationship. We have yep. to acknowledge that. Yep. Uh, for some people, their memories of their, their father and their home have not been pleasant ones. Yep. Um, and uh, that's unfortunate. That, 
that that is that that is a difficult thing for for some people. Mm. They they haven't had a loving dad at all. Um, and yeah, our thoughts uh, go out to to people, particularly sort of at this time of the year when there is a, a fair bit of publicity yeah. about um, Father's Day, and it's it's kind of perhaps glamorised a little bit. But uh, yeah. look. Thinking about the, the whole role of this, and um, it, it, I want us to consider this for a moment um, as uh, as we sort of get into our show today. Fathers are play a crucial role with 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 children, with young people in, in their Christian faith. Um, now, it's it's been said that generally children get their picture of God from their mother. You know, the, the mother really gives them an understanding yep. of God's love, right? right. Really, the, the 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 nurturing aspect that that mothers t- tend to have. Yep. So it's been said that generally uh, children get their picture of God through their mother, but they are more likely to remain uh, as connected to a to a church or or stay in the faith if they have had a a a supportive christian father right so it's like a mother helps a a, a child come to faith if i can put it in these words william but uh, if they have a a christian father that's uh, that's a committed christian that will be a determining not not the sole one of course there's always exceptions and and yeah. it, it, it's always an individual choice ultimately to to follow jesus christ and have a personal faith relationship with him but one of the significant factors to to whether a young person is going to stay in the faith and be involved in a church community is whether they've had a christian father yeah, which which is really interesting. Um, highlights very much the importance that 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 fathers and can we extend it a little bit broader, the, the role that males would pl- need to play in the roles of supporting people in their faith journey. Yeah, um, you know it's um uh, it, it, yeah interesting when we look uh, at the composition of Christian church uh, in churches. Generally speaking, we will tend to have a few more percentage-wise, more females that attend church than males. Okay, that's kind of across the board, across yeah. across churches. Um, why is it that uh, we have more females that are in churches than males? Have you given? Yeah, that I don't know. I haven't really delved deep into the studies and whatnot. You know, statistic-wise and whatnot. I think just generally, if I'm just kind of. Just speaking, um, as, as we're sharing this in real time, Joseph, I think, I think probably guys in general, I mean, if you think about what church entails, there, there is a lot of, um, interaction between individuals. There's singing. There's a lot of connection and men in general find hard, find that kind of hard. It's, it's more of a, so qualities that, that women would do. Women are more natural to just socialize and talk over, you know, uh, as, as, you know, I think guys express they still um, connect, you know, uh, on different levels. So maybe you know men may not be as comfortable sitting down with a complete stranger and talking over you know certain things, but yes. uh, but fellas are most likely to get together and do something together. So maybe that plays a factor into it. I don't know, but um, but certainly certainly a church setting, uh, any faith service, there is an element, uh, particularly in the Christian church. Yeah, there is a, a sense in which we come to to interact mm. in fellowship. At least the churches that 
that we would like to say we ascribe to. It's, it's, you know, you want to be welcomed when you come through the door. You want, people want to, are interested in who you are. And if, and if people, and if men, uh, may not, they may not be as open to that type of interaction. Um, yeah, they may, they may find something like church a little bit, um, maybe too confronting. Yes. And I don't just think men, I think just think all people in general, when you go somewhere new, um, yeah, it's hard to kind of, um, you know, to break the, the ice, so to speak. And so maybe, I don't know, that might play into it. Mm. Um, just that, just the, what generally happens in a church setting is you know, like interaction and people talking and whatnot. It would be great to hear from our listeners. Uh, tell yeah. us, tell us what you think. Why is it that there tends to be more females than males uh, in a church? What, why do, why did, why does church seem to attract females more than males? T- text us through what your thoughts are on our text line number 04 We'd love to hear from you. Just um, uh, text through a few ideas or what, what you see as, as a reason or, or some of the reasons why it is that, uh, generally speaking, it is more females rather than males that are drawn to spiritual things, to, to church involvement uh, and church attendance. Love to hear from you. So text through to us and, uh, yeah, we, we, we'd like to, um, uh, to, to share some of the, the comments that come through, William. So our number again, oh, Four triple eight double eight zero eight double one. That's our text line number here on Drive Time. Um, yeah, we want you to be a part of our program with us um, wherever you might be uh, listening uh, today. Uh, William, we we um, want to spend a little few moments uh, as we always do here at the show uh, on Drive Time. Uh, we, we look at what's happening in, I guess, in in the world. Uh, do a bit of a world watch here, uh, and I wanted to um, bring uh, before us here a um, uh, something that um, has certainly been reported here in the news in um, in, in 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 South Australia. Um, it's a uh, it's a report of. Uh, in the article in the paper uh, just the other day, that discrimination and bullying in Christian schools. Okay. And um, if I can just uh, uh, just share a little bit from this, this this is interesting because this was a, um, a report by the South Australian Commissioner for Children and Young People, a lady by the name of Helen Colony. Co- Colony. Um, Connolly, I'll get it right eventually. Helen Connolly. Um, it's a, a, a report um, done by by this commission, the, the South Australian Commissioner for Children and Young People. Uh, it's a report that's based on a survey of young people aged thirteen to twenty-two, and um, the uh, the the news report about this uh, says this: many religious schools, particularly those linked to fundamental Christian doctrines, foster discrimination against sexually diverse students and fail to provide a safe place. The Commissioner for Children and Young People says, uh, and in this report that was published, uh, it it says that. Um, uh, South Australian schools need to be aware of their legal obligations. Uh, parents should be concerned about uh, children who are getting getting ostracised. Um, uh, and then it sort of goes on and talks about here how um, th- this report showed that 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 from the students that this report surveyed, they found um, that some students were were bu- uh, faced bullying, uh, discrimination uh, because of um, uh, 
some some of their their sexual um, I guess pre- preferences. Um, yeah. And um, yeah, it, it's um, uh, yeah, it, it, it's really sort of highlighting also here about um, how um, some uh, you know a, a most common complaint from students was that when bullying was alleged, the school leadership failed to investigate and support LGBTQI students uh, and. Um, that these problems were most uh, were most prevalent at religious at religious schools. Um, that um, that that these students uh, with either these leanings or, or, or had conveyed some of these things that 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 that, that they felt discriminated against and and, and bullied. Uh, William, okay. um, w- now what's significant here is that um, uh, this report. Uh huh. Um, of of these young people was done on the basis of a very tiny sampling of of the school students. A total of only eighty six students were surveyed, and across the Christian schools, certainly across South Australia, there there are thousands and thousands of students. So this is a very tiny sampling. All right, um, to to build this report. In fact, there are eighty. Yeah, it was based on a tiny eighty six students of a total school population of two hundred and seventy three. 273,000 students, which means it's, it, 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 this report is a sampling of 0.03%. That's totally, unre- right. totally unrepresentative, really. Um, and, um, yeah, really what this is, is act, it's actually a politically motivated attack on, on Christian schools. Now, William, um, mm. what we find here is it, it's trying to have a go at Christian schools uh, for um, – you know, Christian schools up until now have, have been able to um, uh, promote certain beliefs and standards. Um, for as far as those who they now, let's be clear: they um, the, the Christian schools um, uh, ha- have you know have the stance that they are to be uh, fair and equal in, in all the students that 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 that, that enrol. Uh, as far as the staff that they employ, up until now, Christian schools have been able to be what's called preferential employers. The other right. interesting thing fr- uh, connected with this report, William, is that um, there is um, legislation before the South Australian government currently, Equal Opportunity Amendment Bill, which is looking at uh, trying to remove um, the preferential. That's exactly yeah. right. Remove that ability for schools to be a preferential employer. Re- really, I guess what we're getting at here, William, just to I'll bring it to a point here, is that essentially um, th- uh, it, it is. Um, the opportunity for for faith for Christian institutions such as schools uh, to be able to uphold their values is starting to get harder and harder in our society. Yeah, uh, it doesn't surprise me, um, mm. Joseph. And you know, if you're you're saying that only a small sampling, you know, some eighty six students out of you know over two hundred seventy thousand, yeah, that's. Um, I think there's certainly an agenda, like you said, um, to the time is going to come when. When people of faith are going to, uh, the level of restriction will get to a point where we'll it'll almost be considered a crime mm. to to continue to espouse and teach in our Christian schools and from our from our pulpits on on in churches. Yes, and I think it's already happening across the country and across the world. So you know, my it's a signs of the time. It's yeah. definitely um, you know it just tells us where we are at in this moment in, in Earth's history. Whereas some of these things were considered normal, you know, some sen- some 
some generations ago where Christian biblical principles were pretty much the normal society. Now it's now it's totally the opposite. Yeah. So, um, yeah, look, I, I can't speak any more to that. I mean, you know, if there are students who, uh, you know, who have these leanings towards these gender preferences, you know, I, I can't really speak at length on that. But just in general, yeah, there's definitely a... There's definitely an intent, and, and and you mentioned that it's starting in the courts because that's where that's where everything gets legislated, and from yeah, there right. the flow-on effect will impact the communities and and, and know, shape our society. Yep. Yeah, yeah, no, that's true. Look, William, we, we need to take a quick break. Yep. Uh, we're going to have a piece of music here, a uh, lovely song by Melita Fong, Stand By Me. You're listening to Drive Time on Faith FM. Uh, don't go anywhere.
Welcome back. You're listening to Faith FM. This is Drive Time, BQ&A with uh, Joseph Matichich and William Mawala. Uh, this week on Drive Time, we are looking at the topic uh, called Relevant for the Times. And today's question is, what has the church been called to do? Now, before the break, at the, at the top of the show, um, we we asked you to, 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 to respond to this idea that uh, churches tend to generally attract more females than males. I wanted to know, know why, and um, we wanted to get, get some of your feedback. And we've got one response that's that's come through, that's William. Um, we've got uh, Stephen, who's uh, sent through a, a message. And thank you, Stephen. Uh, great, to, great to hear from you. Thank you for sending through. Stephen uh, texted through here, and he says, single men should go to church to balance the, lo- the love with Jesus. <laughs> so, yeah, thank you. Thank you, Stephen, for, 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 that, uh, for that input. And, um, look, um, we, we love to hear from our listeners, and because yep. of that, we, we have a... Um, uh, a free offer today, and um, it is a a lovely book called The Invitation, and um, we, we'd like to uh, offer this 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 book to you. Um, and so, to to, to get this book, uh, what you need to do is um, text the code SA fifteen. That's the letters SA and the number one five to o four triple eight. Double eight o eight double one. That number again is o four triple eight double eight o eight double one. Just text the code SA fifteen, and uh, we will be able to uh, to to get the uh, Faith FM bot who will. Um, uh, be able, we'll, we'll contact you, get your details. This book, The Invitation, uh, it contains stories of people, uh, destroyed by life circumstances and rebuilt by the love of God. As you read the chapters of this book, you might even see a reflection of yourself in, in the mirror. Um, yet, uh, in each of these stories, they'll lead you to believe in a power that is above and beyond your own self. Um, this is a, a great book, The Invitation. Uh, true stories that will change your life, and um, if you'd like to get a copy of that book, uh, just text your detail, uh, text the code SA fifteen uh, to our text line number o four triple eight double eight o eight double one. Well, it's time really for us to really get into our our topic for today, and uh, we are looking at uh, the question: What has the church? Being called to do now, William. Uh, as we look at this, the reason we are looking at this now, we, we need to explain to our listeners uh, sort of what's going on um, today, and in particular this week, William. Uh, yep. the, all of this week, we, we are really looking at um, 
uh, a special message that God has given. Uh, it, really, it's his uh, final message uh, of appeal and invitation and warning to the world, isn't it? Um, and it's a message that we'll, find, we'll turn to in, in just a moment. Now, the reason we're looking at this, William, is because um, this week, uh, particularly in the Seventh-day Adventist Church, is what we call the week of prayer. Yep. Now, we need to be clear. It's not that this is the only week we pray, William. We, we, we pray all the time. We pray here on this show. And we actually want our, our listeners to uh, to join us. If they have anything, uh, if you have anything, wherever you might be listening, if you want something prayed for for you, please text us. We are going to, to pray for that. Again, uh, just text it through again on our number um, 04888880811, our, our drive time text nine number. If there's something on your heart, if there's something that's concerning you, if there's something that you want to bring to us to, to pray for. Now, William, the week of prayer. What is what is a week of prayer about? How, how, how did that sort of work? Just just explain very quickly to our listeners. So essentially, the week of prayer is um, it's a date that is scheduled in uh, uh, as a world church. So the Seventh Day Adventist worldwide church, some twenty odd million membership the world over, and so it's a particular time in the calendar where churches members are encouraged to come together. And to spend intentional time praying with one another, seeking the Lord in prayer. Mm-hmm. And as a church, I mean, you think about the power of prayer. Yes. You know, James says that um, the ineffectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Mm. And that's just one person. So the idea behind it is more prayer, more power. Okay. And so... When I see scripture, Jesus spent time in prayer. You look at the New Testament church, they were birthed in prayer. Yes. And so I, I think there may be even be a connection between, you know, we typically do this from a, a week to a week from, so one day, from one Saturday service to yep. the next. Yes. I think there's probably a connection with, um, the book of Acts when, um, you know, in chapter one, when the disciples, they were praying in the upper room. Now, you know, I think they prayed for 10 days or whatnot. But um, so the principle, Joseph, is as a world church, we're saying, hey, prayer is important. We need to be praying together. Mm. And so our world church would hand out, um, distribute, um, well, you know, the the readings for the week. So uh, typically before COVID, um, we would meet at the church. Now, Mm -hmm. because of COVID, uh, the churches I'll be at, um, our church in Gawler, we're going to be doing it online. Okay. Starting next week, uh, on Zoom. Okay. Uh, every, every evening from Saturday, Saturday, the 11th of September to the 18th. So we're just, we're just, uh, moving it forward a, a week. Um, so the idea is for churches to get together and to pray. Okay. That's, yeah. And, and the and reason why is because we want to be you, we want to, to follow God's will. Yep. And at the end of the day, the church is made up of individuals. And when we come together, we're seeking, what does God want to do? What is he saying to us now? And and so it's a great time for church leaders, church members to come together and to simply spend time praying for one another, praying for the needs of their community, asking themselves those questions, are are we fulfilling the gospel commission as best as we can? So it's a really good time to come together, as I said, and to to connect with God and with one another. Mm. And uh, we have a theme for each yes. week of prayer, and that's really what we're looking at, at today. So our topic today is uh, what is the church called to do? And so, William, go for it and share that with us as we as we launch it this week. 
Yeah, so the, 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 the question we're asking today on, on the show is, what has the church been called to do? Now, that, the, the title is, um, you can use it two ways. You can use it in a general sense. And then I think, uh, the, we also want to provide another aspect, which is within our particular, uh, faith context, which is the Seventh-day Adventist Church. But let me just t- say just a couple of remarks, preliminary remarks. When I, he- when I hear that word, what has the church been called to do? Joseph, I immediately was asking myself the question, well, what is the church? Mm. Well, the church simply, it's a gathering of people called out. You and I. Called, yes, uh, you and I. It's, an, it's a gathering of people who've been called out. And my mind was racing to the text in First Peter chapter 2. And in verse 9, where uh, Peter says to the believers there that they were a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. And if I could just keep reading, because it's, it's powerful, it says, His own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And what Peter is doing there, uh, Joseph, as you are aware of, he's basically quoting what God said to the Israelites in Exodus 19. Right. So there is a theme throughout Scripture that God always has a people yes. that he wants to use uh, to show forth his his glory, yes. his character. So to ask your question, what has the church been called to do? Well, biblically speaking, we're called to proclaim his praises. Uh, so that's one aspect. Okay. But if I can kind of draw it to the person of Jesus, yes. well, it's that the classic mantra in Gospel of Matthew 28, to go and make disciples. Yes. So what has the church been called to do, Joseph? As believers, we've been called to, as Jesus says, we've been called to make disciples yes. and to baptize people in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Um, but then I think there's also more to that because it's not just making disciples. What we're really talking about, Joseph, is we want people to know God. Okay. You see, Jesus in the Gospel of Luke, he said that he came to seek and save that which was lost, right? Mm. Luke 19.10. And so when you think about these verses, what has the church been called to do? We are called to know God, to experience Jesus and the the gift of his grace. And in extension, we want to share that with others. Right. So that's more of a general, I guess, uh, answer to that. But if I could bring it. I guess a different aspect uh, today, uh, Joseph, uh, because you know we're reading the week of prayers as uh, readings as um, applicable to uh, within uh, the Seventh Day Adventist Church setting. Now, I understand that there are some people listening; uh, they may identify with another faith tradition, or you may not even believe it. That's totally cool. Yeah. But just to kind of let you in, it's more of an in-house conversation with you, Will, because it's really, if you read the uh, week of prayer readings, it's really a call for us as Adventists. Christians as well to really step up to what we have been called to do. Now, if I could ask that, answer that question, what is the mission um, of the, uh, sorry, what has the church been called to do? We've been called to make disciples. So the mission is to make disciples, but I, I just want to read this, um, uh, Joseph, um, I just got it here on my phone real quick. When we think about mission, um, we're talking about, you know, basically talking about the purpose of of the church. And um, when you look at the church's mission, um, really it boils down to to making disciples. Yeah, I've got it here. I've got it here right now. So it says here, um, 
The mission. The mission of the Seventh-day Adventist Church is to call all people to become disciples of Jesus Christ. And then he goes on to say, to proclaim the everlasting gospel embraced by the three angels' messages and to prepare the world for Christ's soon return. So the three angels messages yeah. you mentioned there. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, there's a general <laughs> mission there, but it, 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 now you're saying that, that, that proclaim the gospel and make disciples in the context of these three angels yes. messages. Well, what's that? Yes. Thanks for asking, Joseph. <laughs> now you and I were talking before we went on on air and, um, you know, we were reading, uh, looking at our reading, uh, for, for, t- for this particular, uh, for this particular show, um, there, there's quite a bit, there's quite a lot of substance there. But if I could just make it very simple to our audience uh, that's listening, um, the mission um, is to proclaim the three angels' message. So essentially what that means is if you go to the last book of the Bible, Joseph, the book of Revelation, yes, you will find in the heart of that book, in the 14th chapter, uh-huh. there is a... A John sees in vision from verses 6 through to 12, um, these three angels, as it were, going ah, to the whole world. And okay. each of these angels, which we understand because Book of Revelation is, um, it's coded in symbol. Yes. So it's not talking about, you know, a, a literal angel flying across the globe. It's talking about a message. Yeah. And so essentially what the three angels' message is, Joseph, it's simply three, I guess, distinct messages that God wants to communicate to the world just before the return of Jesus. Okay, well that certainly sounds very very important William. I you know, uh, uh, unpack this a little bit yeah. now. That this this is sounding very very significant. So if I could just read it and um and then just kind of make one yeah. or two comments. So Revelation chapter 14 chapter 14 and verse 6. And I'll just kind of go through because each of them it's a um, yeah, it's pretty self-explanatory. Um, it says here in verse 6, Then I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God, give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment has come, and worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea and springs of water. So the first angel's message, uh, Joseph, without getting too deep and too theological, simply this, it's a call Number one, to acknowledge that we are living in what the Bible calls a judgment hour. Mm-hmm. And then it also, there's an implication, an imperative. It says, and worship him who made heaven and earth. Mm-hmm. So if I could just summarize the first angel's message in, it, in, in its absolute simplicity, the, world, the angel says to the world, we're living in the judgment hour and in the light of the judgment hour, to worship God. Mm. It actually says to worship him who made the, the heavens and the earth and the sea and the springs of water. The creator God. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so that's the first angel's message. And, um, and right at the outset, it says it's the everlasting gospel that's yeah. to be proclaimed to every nation, kindred, tongue, and people. So I'm this, glad. This, this is a, a, an international and, and an interdenominational message, we can say, yeah. the everlasting gospel. That's, yes. the, that's the good news. I'm that's, glad you picked that up, Joseph, yeah. because... The gospel, as we know, it, it's, it means, means good news. And I'm glad you picked that up, Joseph, because each of these three messages, although they are very sobering and very confronting, dare I say even challenging, but in, it actually is encapsulated in the gospel, the good news. Okay. Yeah. Um, so what you're saying uh, there, William, is that really all of these messages are somehow connected to the gospel. 
Yeah, the, the, the gospel needs to be sort of be seen as 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 kind of like the thread that runs runs through all of them. And so, the, love the, it. Yeah, the gospel, as we said, it's the good news. Good news. What's the good news? The good news is of, of Jesus who came to save us from our sins. And um, and then, as you said there, as as, as you read, uh, as a call to to fear God and give Him glory because the hour of His judgment has come. We're in the judgment hour, judgment time. Yeah. Um, and um, uh, we we see that, I guess, from a from other biblical passages that, that that says that we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, Second Corinthians five. So we we find this idea the Bible teaches that a judgment's uh, time is at, at there now at hand um, before uh, before before his return, yeah. and then uh, therefore there's a call to to worship him as the Creator God. Yeah. So it's in the context of uh, the good news of the gospel, or the context of preaching the good news about Jesus, and if we accept him, how we should live. Yep. Absolutely. So you got the first angel's message, and um, then you got the second one in verse eight. It says another angel followed, saying, "Babylon is fallen, is fallen, that great city, because she made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of a fornication." Um, look, if I could just put it in simple terms, um, what God is saying that um, this particular system that is mentioned as Babylon. Um, is fallen. So essentially what God is trying to say is that Babylon is a, it's basically a symbol of, of confusion, of, you know, corrupted, uh, truth, if you will. And what God is essentially saying is that, that it's fallen because the truth of the gospel has come into the world. Um, so there's a, there's an, there's a message there. And also uh, later on in the book of chapter, Revelation chapter 18, there's a call to come out. Right. And I think the application that I want to leave with our listeners on that second angel's message is right now there is so much confusion in the world, um, Joseph. On the internet, you, people don't know who to believe and who to trust. I love how part of God's end time message is God wants us to know the truth. Yes. Not just abstract, uh, as, um, but, you know, Jesus said he is the way, the truth. So in my simplified mind, the, the call that Babylon is fallen is God saying to the world that the truth of the gospel, the truth of who he is and God's message is now coming to the forefront. Mm. And so that's why the angel says Babylon is fallen. It's almost like God is saying it, the time is up for all of the confusion, all the deception. You know, here is now is the time when God's truth will be um, uplifted. Um, you know, Jesus said, you know, you know that story very well, Joseph, when um, Jesus was talking with the woman at the well in John chapter 4, and, and Jesus said to her in their conversation, uh, he said to her, the time is coming when those who will worship the Father will worship him in spirit and in truth. Mm. And so here is Jesus saying, right there will be coming a time when when the truth of the gospel, the truth of who God is, will be uplifted and exalted and people will be drawn to it. Yes. Um, very quickly, I know that um, we get to the third angel's message. That's probably the most solemn of the three. And um, and maybe we, if we can just take a break, William, is that okay? Yeah, yeah. Let's, uh, let's and then, then we'll come back to it. So, William, what you're saying there is we've got these – Three messages yep. in the heart of the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 14, chapter 6 14. to 12, yep. which we call the three angels' messages. Is that right? Yep. Uh, a message that's to go, the messages that are to go to the whole world. Uh, the first one, the everlasting gospel, uh, and uh, it talks about there also um, 
uh, fearing God, giving glory to him and worshipping him as the creator. And then you're talking about the warning about Babylon that's fallen. Yeah. Um, and uh, Babylon representing all all things that are that are uh, apostate and and confused, yeah. and um, and so it's kind of like the I guess the opposite of the go- the gospel yeah. and the good news and the opposite of the truth, right? So it makes sense that God has these these messages. Yeah, some of them are going to be fairly direct and pre- bit heavier going, but God is a God of love who wants to warn people before the yeah. end, doesn't he? Yeah, that's really what this is. It's like his final warning to to a world before it goes down, and. Um, yeah, we need to choose. And so let, let's take a quick break. Uh, that's why this song is, is quite apt. It's, it's titled, Which Will You Choose? Um, you're listening to Faith FM. This is Drive Time. As the world becomes entwined in the lies from Satan's mind, a leader will arise to take the reins. Sing love, bring us peace If you put your hope in me Renounce the name of Jesus or be slain Which way will you choose? Which way will you choose? You got everything to gain You got everything to lose Those who claim to the cross will refuse and pay the cost As God redeems his own from the sea of hate Which way will you choose? Which way will you choose? You got everything to gain, you got everything to Go to faithfm.com.au and tune into your local station anytime and anywhere. Uh, you're welcome back. You're listening to Faith FM. This is Drive Time, big Q&A with uh, Joseph Matichich and William Awala. And uh, we've been looking at uh, the whole topic of what has the church been called to do. In particular, we are focusing um, today and all of this week here on Drive Time on um, the special messages of... The, 
known as the three angels' messages in Revelation 14, uh, 6 to 12. And um, yeah, I want to remind you again uh, that we have a, a special offer for you. Uh, it's, a, it's a great book uh, called the, the Invitation. And uh, this book uh, is full of uh, powerful stories that are going to change your life. Uh, if you'd like to get that uh, book uh, sent to you, delivered to you, um, all you need to do is text the, the code uh, for this week, which is SA15 to 04 triple eight double eight oh eight double one well william uh, just before the break uh, we were getting uh, into uh, these three angels messages from revelation 14 and uh, we've looked at the first two and you were just getting into the third one let's let's look at that one and then we're going to give a bit of an overview before okay. our time's up today so i just want to read the um the third angels message if you want to put it that way verses 9 to 11 Quite a sobering uh, passage in all of the New Testament. Here's what it says. Then a third angel followed them, meaning the, f- the first two angels, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and his image and receives his mark on his forehead or in his hand, he himself shall also drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation. He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. Um, so let me verse 11 because it's, it's part of it and the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever and they have no rest day or night who worship the beast and his image and whoever receives the mark of his name now we don't have real a lot of time Joseph to unpack you know the these this sense of the mark and the beast and all of these symbolic terms which we would love to do in another uh, setting but but here's what I want our listeners to understand these three messages, God wants us to understand. If I could go back to what we're talking about today, what has the church been called to do? Uh, look, I'm going to say something, Joseph, and, and please, for our listeners, I don't want to sound dogmatic. I don't want to sound somewhat, in, uh, you know, exclusive. But but here's here's where my heart is, uh, Joseph. I'm a pastor. I joined the Seventh Day Adventist Church 2004. I was 24 years old, and the things that I'm talking to you right now in this studio, Joseph, I did not know about these things when I went to my previous church, um, previous Sunday church denomination. And I say that because God is a God of grace. Yeah. God knows that He has people in all different persuasions and churches and different religions. That's right. But. Hear me if you're listening to our, our program today. The time is coming when God's truth is going to go through the whole world. And I firmly believe this, and I humbly say this, Joseph, to our viewers, our listeners today. These, these messages has been given to us as a people to preach. Now, again, I'm not saying this to say that the Seventh-day Adventist Church is the only church that is preaching God's truth. What I am saying is that God has given us a, a mission our mission is embedded in the gospel, but it, it has a particular edge to it. It's the three angels. A pe- now, particular end time. Yeah. End time scenario. And, and I like to coin it like this, Joseph. All through history, God has always had a message for that particular generation. You look at all the way back to the Old Testament. In the days of Noah, there was the flood. That was the message of the hour. The days of John the Baptist, the hour, the message was, except this is the Lamb of God, John yes, chapter 1. That's right. All we're saying is, as a denomination is, is we humbly say that 
we have been, I guess, uh, given the privilege to share the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, salvation by grace through faith, yes. in the context of a prophetic message embedded in the book of Revelation. And so I say this to you, Joseph, I get excited about this, because when my heart was w- heard these things, when I was 23 years old, I got invited to a some meetings in Bankstown in Sydney, where I lived at that time. And I heard the presenter preaching these particular themes. I was startled. I was challenged. I I was even a bit upset about it because I was saying to myself, how come I haven't heard any of these things? And as I began to learn and study the Bible, I mean, I had my own uh, way in which the Lord led. Um, I've come to the conclusion, Joseph, um, that, that these messages are of absolute importance. And here's why, Joseph. Because at the end of the day, God wants people, he wants everybody saved. That's right. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, when we say things of this nature, there's obviously one or two that may say, well, you, you know, they may have differences or disagreements with what I'm saying. But at the end of the day, God loves all people. And if you read chapter 14, the very next theme that emerges after the three angels and their messages, we see a picture of, uh, John says, the Son of Man coming on the, on the, on the cloud with a sickle in his hand. It's mm. imagery of this heart. Excuse me, this harvest. Okay. And so the way I understand that, Joseph, and the way we have traditionally, uh, we, we understand that passages is the three angels' messages are the last messages just prior to the return of Jesus. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So look, I can go on. I can keep going on and on about this. But, but the truth of the matter is, um, uh, Joseph is that Jesus loves every person that's listening to this program. He loves the whole world for God. So loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And Jesus is simply saying, I'm coming soon and in to get ready for my return. Um, Know that you're in the judgment hour. Worship the Creator. Follow truth. Mm. And when when this particular power is going to enforce religious worship, and that's all I'm going to say on that in terms yeah. of the mark of the beast, we have to settle it in our minds who we want to follow. That's right. And that's essentially what the book of Revelation is all about. It's about worship, who and how we worship. So so this this these themes are going to be. And look, the climate in which we're living in with all this COVID and how the, what's the balance between, you know, government, uh, in, mm. in, in interaction and how we as believers, I just see a general theme happening, uh, Joseph. And, um, the book of Revelation is a book that needs to be studied and understood because guess what? Guess how the book begins? The revelation of Jesus, Jesus Christ. Christ. Yeah. So, look, I, I think I better end there, Joseph. Yep. Or I'm going to keep going, but but to our listeners, uh, please stay listening for the rest of the week because um, this is, in a sense, our week of prayer. This is something we'd be saying to ourselves. But I, I'm glad that um, those behind the scenes, we want to put it out there because because at the end of the day, um, we want. The gospel to go to the whole world. That's right, and and, and we are expressing it through this particular, um, through this unique 
uh, mission that God's given us. Yeah, now that that's really really good, William. Thank you for for sharing and for sharing it so passionately. Hearing a little bit of in your journey how you yeah. came to discover these three angels' messages, and so yeah, really what 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 we've done today is we've just given just a uh, just a real quick overview, haven't yeah, we? we we've, absolutely, we've, we've barely scratched the surface. But stay tuned, friends, because all of this coming week we we're going to be here on Drive Time uh, unpacking these three angels' messages. Revelation 14, 6 to 12. Um, remember, this is God's end time message, his last warning message. Yep. And we humbly believe that we, 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 we have this entrusted for us to share, not to, not to keep to ourselves. That's, that's why we, we're talking about it here yes. on, on Drive Time. That's why Amen. we have, um, this opportunity through Faith FM to, to, to broadcast this. And so this is the everlasting gospel, um, that, that calls us to worship God, warns yep. us against Babylon, which has fallen and um, and also about the mark of the beast and so uh Thank you so much, William, for, for joining us. And thank you to each of you who, who, who've tuned in today. Uh, thank you to those who've sent in prayer requests. We've got one here. And in a moment, William, uh, um, we're going to pray. We, we're going Let's to pray. We're going to pray. We've got, we've got a listener that's sent in from Townsville who wants us to pray for, uh, for their lustful thoughts. And, uh, no, he says, I know the Lord will help me overcome this issue. I will not give up until I'm healed. Good on you for being so brave to send that, that, that request in. We, we're going to pray for you specifically, uh, for what you're struggling with. And, uh, and thank you, uh, thank you, Stephen, again, for your new message where you say, we are in a war that gets harder every day. Jesus we need that is Amen. so true Amen to that, so l- let's let's pray right now shall we let's bow let's let's bow as we pray together dear god we thank you that you are a god of love yes. who who wants to warn your people so that they can be prepared for what's coming ahead and that's why you've given us these messages in revelation chapters 14 uh, verses 6 to 12 yes. and um as we've just had a quick overview today and we get into it here on Drive Time, we pray that we'll come to understand what you want us to know, um, to not just accept your good news of the gospel, but to follow you and worship you as our creator. Yes. To, uh, you tell us who to worship, how to worship, and what to avoid, and how to stay true to you. And I pray that you'll bless us. Thank you for our listeners. Please be with our listener sending a request in yes. to, who wants prayer to help him with the, the evil thoughts that comes across his in his life in yes. his mind. Um, he looks to you for help, and we pray that you you will bless him and give him the victory that, that he yes. seeks. And yes, we are in a war, a spiritual battle, but we know that Jesus is mighty and he'll mm. lead us through. We look forward to that, and thank you for hearing us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Well, thank you, everyone, uh, for joining us here on Drive Time. Our time is up. Uh, join us again next time on Drive Time um, as uh, we continue our theme here. May God bless you.